Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following content is not suitable for children. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. For a great personal lubricant, please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay to support us at the podcast. Thanks. Hey, G. Hey. How you feeling? I'm doing all right. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, a you little wanna... headache. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. You want to tell our listeners what's going on with you? Yeah, my son working out with his friend gave my whole family COVID. It was uh Oof. Oof. And everybody's recovered but you? Yeah, it was... Thank God it wasn't too bad. A couple of days of symptoms and everyone seemed to recover. Except me, I got a lingering cough. So listeners, forgive my cough if it comes. I'm just glad you're doing okay. Me too. I mean, all these months of being careful and pretty strict and then one little mess up and boom, that's how quick it happens. Mm, that is true. You guys got to be careful out there. Well, we got lots for you today, but... I wanted to thank the people who have been leaving reviews. Somebody just left one. It says, a life changer. I recently got into podcasts and happened to come across this podcast, and I can't believe I lived without it before. I've especially loved the episode about being intimate with a hot-tempered man and would love to explore that topic some more. This podcast is fun and comfortable. Thank you. Wait, I have one more comment about that hot-tempered man episode, and I'm going to read it to you, G. It says, whoa, George, just listen to the Hot Tempered Guy podcast. That last little bit, whoa, let's take a jackhammer to the foundation of the house. Oscar worthy. So he, Damn. Yeah, he I really thought. I remembered the episode. <laughs> we were talking about the Hot Tempered Guy and how that shuts mm, down sex. Right. Anger, not the biggest turn on, right? Anger is not the biggest turn on, for Lack sure. Lack of safety. Lack of safety. So this is all on you, George, this how the sexual pursuer represents himself and keeps, you know, their own sexual needs alive and how they should talk to their partner about this. How do we do that without making the partner feel pressured and causing the negative cycle to happen? You know, how, how do we say, hey, this is what I like, this is what I need and not let that die, even if our partner is maybe not so interested in all of those things? You got some well, good I feel answers, a buddy. Drawer inside me coming out when you say it's all on me, <laughs> and I want to go away. So I'm not sure I have all the answers to this question. <laughs> it's a dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. When people find themselves stuck in a negative cycle, they're stuck in dilemma. Their options aren't great. So does a pursuer say something which makes them feel like there's a chance things are going to change, but it comes across as being critical and shuts their partner down, or do they say nothing at all? 
which means nothing's going to change and they sit and fester in that kind of resentment. Mm -hmm. Those are not two great options. So if we're going to get people out of a dilemma, we have to really be able to come up with a different move. And most of the time, that different move involves both people, right? To change a a feedback loop, you got to get both people to do things a little bit differently. But I think the biggest part that we're focusing on with these sexual pursuers is to just be really explicit about their process. They know their partner's sensitive to criticism. So they they really got to have a lot of affirmation in the feedback, in the kind of trying to talk about these conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, and... They got to make it really soft and vulnerable so that their partner hears that part of themselves, you know, the longing, the wishing without the disappointment. Right. And if they're doing that in a way that holds in mind the partner, it's a lot easier for the partner to hear it. So if I'm speaking to you and I'm saying, I so like the direction we're going, that we're getting better and better at talking about things that, you know, that does make me so hopeful. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is every time these conversations come up that you get the message you're doing something wrong. And I'm really working on how to do that differently. And I'm also trying to do that in a way that stays true to like, I can still be myself and share myself with you. Mm. And I'm Mm. trying to find that balance that's better Mm -hmm. than the way I've done it in the past. Yeah. I do like what you are saying. It feels soft enough to me to, I don't feel defensive if I'm pretending to role play. And I mean, it's always a billion times easier in a role play, but as a sexual pursuer, right? I I can feel the desire to go further than that, you know, like, but I want to tell you X, Y, and Z about what I think about and what I fantasize about. And I somehow or another want some joy and excitement in you, not necessarily signing on the dotted line that that's what we're going to do, but I need some resonance within my partner of, you know, I get that. I, I get how exciting that is to you. So how do, can you, can you do that? <laughs> can you make that palatable? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said with getting the withdrawer to have more agency here, right? More control over the outcome that they're not just waiting for the criticism that they can be a little bit more proactive. Mm-hmm. Like normally when I'm working with a couple, I try to get that withdrawer to be the one initiating the conversation. Say, mm-hmm. hey, can one time this week you bring up the conversation? You kind of ask your partners kind of what's going on. There's something about seeing the opportunity and, and bringing it up that feels different than just waiting for it to happen. Mm, I agree. One of the things I tell my withdrawers is, are you going to have the conversation? And they say, yep, I'm going to have the conversation. I said, if you're going to have the conversation anyway, bring it up yourself. Because then your partner, your pursuing partner feels like not forgotten, feels like you're remembering it, you're holding it in your mind, and they will feel better. And they might have to exaggerate, right? They might have to put an exclamation point on it because a lot of times pursuers don't remember these things. So I like when the withdrawer is like, hello, I'm bringing up sex. You can just, <laughs> I'm talking about it. I do do this sometimes. What do you think? <laughs> right? and, and try to let them have a bit of fun with this. Mm-hmm. Right? But that, that, that's why you need the withdrawer to be part of this change. right? Otherwise, they fall back into their positions. You know, as we've been sorting out sex and emotions and thinking about what we're teaching in our classes, you've brought up that the the sexual withdrawer has to make a behavioral change. 
and I've thought about this for the last couple of days since I talked to you, but doesn't the emotional withdrawer also have to make a, a behavioral change? You know, you were saying, no, they just need to share their emotions. And it's so easy because these two people love each other. Whereas it's so, you know, maybe one person doesn't want sex or doesn't want as much sex. And so that becomes behavioral. But if I'm the emotional withdrawer, and maybe this is just splitting hairs, you guys, but if I'm the emotional withdrawer and I have to reassure my partner of my love, I have to use words. I I have to do something. It's still behavioral, George. Absolutely. I don't remember the conversation, but you know, <laughs> you were in COVID fog. <laughs> the co- corrective emotional experience comes about through a behavior. You have to be responsive. That response has to be put into action. A lot of times it's not words. It's the hug. It's the physical. It's the, you know, empathy in the eyes. It's, it's being impacted by your partner's pain. It's two people coming together and joining in that spot of vulnerability. So it's certainly a behavior. Yeah. And, and it, isn't it the same thing though? I, I guess it is slightly different sexually because the sexual withdrawer has to make a move, right? They, they have to come forward in some way, not necessarily even initiating sex, but like you mentioned, initiating a conversation about sex would be great. I think the sexual withdrawer can come forward and can engage behaviorally around their partner's vulnerability of what it feels like to be rejected, to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't desire them. But ultimately, that the block around can that withdrawer access their own desire, right? It's that that's part of the work. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part for the sexual withdrawer. It's it's not enough to just do it. I mean, they have to get in touch with the erotic self. They have to explore some eroticism inside. I mean, without that complete block, if they have a complete block, you know, it's never going to be satisfying to their partner. And that's the same thing that an emotional withdrawer is doing, right? They don't want to access their fears. They don't want to touch these parts of themselves. They don't want to do the work because they haven't had success. Right. And, and we're mm-hmm. trying to get them to notice these parts of themselves and be more responsive to themselves and fight for themselves in a different way because they deserve that. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the sexual withdrawal. I agree. They deserve to have an erotic life themselves. Life is so much better with sex, with touch, um, with that spicy part being alive. Right. Why settle for poor sex or no sex? when there are tangible things that you can do to change that. Mm-hmm. And that's the frustration of the pursuer, that they, they know there are simple things that could happen. And when they don't happen, it kind of leaves them in this resentful, frustrated place. Mm-hmm. Right. So the withdrawal also given permission for that, like to not get so caught up in their own sense of failure, or criticism or pressure, to keep their focus on their partner, be walking their shoes a little bit and just feel what it's like when you just want something to change, that's coming from a good place. You want better sex. You want more engagement, right? It's the pursuers are coming from a great place. It's just their method of delivering it doesn't work so well given that cycle. So both both sides got to kind of change how they how they approach each other here. Mm-hmm. Pursuers, you know, they are presenting to their partner a plan for more excitement between them. I mean, it's it's an adventure, and so they. They're brave enough to initiate, they're vulnerable enough to initiate, usually in the face of having been rejected quite a bit. 
So it's Valentine's Day coming up. And I saw on Facebook, I get the Manscaped ads too on my Facebook. And there was like the little Manscaper, the lawnmower in this box with rose petals. I thought it was really cute. But for Valentine's Day, it'd be a perfect gift, right? To buy our husbands and male partners the perfect package 3.0 so that they can be well-groomed. Exactly. More men are, are doing this than I realize. Cosmo magazine just uh, published their research that 69% of men trim their pubes. So <laughs> if you're reluctant and you think, hey, uh, may, my partner's not going to like it, chances are they do. Right. Uh, chances We're are in here. Chances are they do. And certainly you can get in the package, the lawnmower. Uh, they also have all kinds of other grooming things that are really high class stuff. The weed whacker, which is like you can trim your nose and ear hairs. Please do that. And they have great cologne. I do love their cologne. Uh, the refined smells so good. They gave us a new package in their black bottle. It's beautiful. And I'm really picky about that kind of stuff, you guys. So definitely good. But there's a lot of fun things. I think the funniest thing that they offer is this little piece of pretend newspaper so that when you trim, the hair falls onto that, not onto the floor so you can clean it really quickly. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. The magic mat. Manscaped.com with the coupon foreplay that supports us at the podcast. Thanks so much. Got a G-spot? Here's a sentimental one. Why do we close our eyes when we sleep, when we cry, when we imagine, when we kiss, when we pray? Because the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen with your eyes. It must be felt with your heart. And another perfect gift for Valentine's Day would be UberLube, right? A beautiful bottle of that at uberlube.com. And you get 10% off with that. If you want to have a great Valentine's Day, you need to order this perhaps a little bit early so that it, it gets to you right now. This is the week to order it if you want it before Valentine's Day for sure. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay for that rush delivery. And it's silicone-based, doesn't stain anything, doesn't create any allergies, taste-free and scent-free. And so you can use it in all kinds of different situations. We suggest definitely use it right at the beginning of the sexual experience. I had a woman who said, sometimes he touches me dry. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, you need to just put this on yourself really quickly. So uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for Valentine's Day to make it really slick. A little squirt of Debs doesn't just work for her. Works pretty well for him too. So Right, makes him feel better as well. Absolutely. So coming back, George, to... Our topic of how the sexual pursuer is representing the self and their sexual needs and not pressuring their partner. Ooh, it's so tough to think about this as a therapist and as a person. Yeah. Because certainly. But I so enjoy just saying that, you know, when partners can be that real and share the bind that they're in, the struggle that they're having, right? That's being present. That says, you know, I really do need to speak my truth. And I'm, I want to do that in a way that honors you and doesn't make you feel bad. And I'm having a hard time figuring out how to do that. Again, the more they're thinking about that balance that's holding their need to stand up for themselves in a way that also is trying to protect their partner, you know, to put both of those things out there. I just think it makes it so much easier for the partner to hear that. Mm -hmm. It's the conscious recognition that talking about this even 
can cause our partner to go into shutdown and withdraw or freeze or feel blamed or feel inadequate in some way. Just being conscious as we talk about it and saying that out loud. And then yet talking about the longing that we might have to go further sexually. I'm a big fan of just trying to, when something comes up, try to get it out there in a playful way. Because I think the problem with so many sexual pursuers is they don't want to hurt their partner. Mm-hmm. So they, they stay silent. And as they remain silent, that's where the resentment starts to brew. And as the resentment brews, now by the time it comes out, you know, they are so negative and angry and frustrated that even if they try to put a spin on it, that vibe is still pretty negative. So I do think the key is to kind of, is to communicate it before that kind of long process takes over. Mm-hmm. Communicate it early as they feel it instead of holding it inside and letting it build to kind of a boiling point. Yeah, maybe me and you can role play it. It's like, what would it look like early if, if I'm playing Joe, who's a sexual pursuer, and, you know, I'm passing my partner in the house and you know, my brain goes to a place that thinks, you know, it would be great to have sex on the table right now. And just like that, that fantasy comes over, you know, chances are if I say that out loud, you know, my partner's not in a mood. They're in the middle of doing their things. It's, and it feels, you know, like a criticism because now I'm asking them something that they're going to say no to. Mm-hmm. Right. So chances are, if I know that, I'm not going to say anything. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I, I kind of, that's these little hurts that happen that start to build that resentment. Mm-hmm. Right. So how could I say that in a playful way that says, hey, Laurie, you know, <laughs> I know this isn't realistic at all, but this idea of, Having sex on a table, that's where my, my brain just kind of went for a moment. Yeah. So am I role playing? Yes. Joe is married to Lori here in relationship. <laughs> good. So am I doing a good one or a bad one? Do both. Let's see if we can see the difference. Help those oh, withdrawers Joe, out there. You, all you ever think about is sex. I mean, God, it's the middle of the day. The kids are home. Are you freaking kidding me? Ouch. I'm hurting you. Yeah, I mean, that's going to go right to anger, right? That's going to go right to, yeah, because you never think about sex. That's the problem here. You know, if I never bring it up, it'd be okay if we never had sex. Mm. I mean, it's just that that's, that's exactly what's so off. It's, and every time that happens, it's training both of us to continue doing the same thing. You're going to be more defensive next time. I'm going to be more angry next time. Right. So we got to find a way of stepping out of that. Okay. So let's talk about sex on the table again. You go. I'll try to be good this time. All right. So I'm. You're Joe. Right. I'm doing it the same way. I mean, I was trying to do it. You were. No, no, that was good. I could do it in a, in a, in a critical way, but you know, so. Yeah, you know, this. And I was walking down the stairs and kind of you were kind of doing your thing there on the computer on the table. And like my brain just went to how cool would it be to put that computer down and just throw you up on a table. And I get that's not realistic and we're not doing that. But it's just I wanted to let you in. I just I think you're attractive. And it's it was just fun for me to think about that. Okay, I'm taking a deep breath, hon. And I, I. I know you find me attractive and that I really do think is super reassuring, you know, and I love that 
you know, you want me that that feels really good. I there's there's this part of me when you say it that just kind of like clenches and I I don't want to be like that with you, but I can feel it in my stomach just it's I don't know, it's like it gets tight and you know, I wish everything in me could be as free and uninhibited as that that I could meet you there at some point. And maybe I can get there. I want to be able to get there sometime. I just how can I what can I do? What can I say? I you know I love you. You know I think you're attractive. It's like my brain just doesn't quite move that fast. You know, I I want you to tell me though. I want you to tell me the things inside that you think about because I want us to work on this and I need your energy. I mean, I because my brain is not working that way, I definitely need your sexual energy in this relationship and in this equation. You know, without it, we're just not going to have any movement. And I know that. I don't have the testosterone. I get that. Um, so, okay. So can I give you a hug? <laughs> I don't know if I can do it it's on the table right now. It's so much fun to do these role plays because they're less theoretical and they're more mm-hmm. of a bottom up process. You know, so what I have coming up for me, and again, there's no right or wrong. What did you feel? Trying the best we can. That whoever initiates the conversation, the emotion they're delivering it in, if their partner can meet them in that emotion, there's a better chance of having connection. So I was in a positive emotion of the fantasy and something playful. So to have a serious conversation about, you know, not being able to breathe and get it wrong. And, you know, you still love me. It's like, like it still feels to my nervous system. Like, like it's not what it's looking for. And again, you might not be able to get there, but for you to actually make a joke and say something like, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe next week we could actually do that. Right. And laugh at it or something like that, like that, even though we're not doing it, that, that meeting me in that fantasy in a playful way, is kind of what I'm looking for. So you I don't needed, know how realistic that is. Yeah. You needed a match in terms of energy and play. Yes. Like you needed a tone match. A tone uh, match. Exactly. Uh-huh. And she was, and I don't want this to always be serious. You know, they, these conversations are too serious. Every time I bring it up, there's like this deep conversation around pressure and rejection. And like, sometimes that's important, but sometimes I'm really just looking to laugh. I'm just looking for, to be playful, to not have it go anywhere. To just kind of connect for a second and say, yeah, that would be pretty cool. But I think you would be on the bottom of the table. I'd be on top. It's like something <laughs> like, like that, that just kind of, we both laugh and they go about our day. It would, I think be so healthy for both of us to just have some success around these conversations. Under the table, we can make a fort with blankets so the children don't <laughs> see us. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I got to tell you, though, what came up for me, just as play acting, the sexual withdrawal, when you told me, you know, you wanted a match. It was like, I really, as a sexual withdrawer, was was trying to be as vulnerable as possible, like trying to really tell you what was on the inside of me. and. And I did feel that, oh, my God, I got it wrong um, yeah. feeling. Which sucks. But mm-hmm. that's why we're trying to increase the, the math scores, the percentages here. Mm-hmm. Right? If a pursuer is initiating a, initiating a conversation around feeling rejected, and that's where that, that vulnerability, that conversation that you came with is more likely to match and we're going to connect there. If I'm initiating a conversation from a more positive, energetic, playful place, you know, if you want to connect with me there, it's trying to tap into that side of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear this all the time that, you know, sexual pursuers want flirt. They want flirt back. 
even if it's not sex back, they do want that playful side to be part of the relationship. So I hear that. I hear that a lot. I think you're right on with maybe what this guy was wanting. Okay, let's do that one more time. I'll flirt back. All right. So I'm coming down and says, hey, you're looking good on that computer. Just let you in real quick. I mean, I had this 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 fantasy in my head real quick. I know we're not doing it. It's no big deal. But I just figured I'd let you in because we're trying to kind of be more direct with each other. Like just kind of right now, I've seen you on top of that table, me and you having some fun. Woo! That just kind of gives me a rush. I'll meet you here at midnight, baby. <laughs> After the kids are in bed, how's that? No, that's too much. That's too much. That's That's way too much. All right, get your partners to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Sorry, I just couldn't help myself. Um, The pursuer came out of you. What? That's right. What would I say? Um, More flirt. More flirt from you. I think would have worked. Like it was. It was too tentative. And that's the problem. The pursuers have been shot down so many times. I know it. Have a lot. Oh my God. I know it. Yes. Yes. I hear that all every day. So we got to, you got to breathe like flickering that flame. You know, if you want Mm -hmm. more of it as a withdrawer, the kind of playful kind of, we got to have some success with it. Mm -hmm. So what would be wrong with just laughing and saying, Hey, you know, who knows one of these days might happen. Okay. That wouldn't be just teasing and and frustrating. No, I I think the acknowledgement that it's okay basically to have that fantasy. Like I'm so expecting that fantasy to be that's not realistic and be shot down. Mm. Did you say yeah, that's cool? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that just kind of leaves it lingering. Okay, one more fun. time. Say one more time. It, say it again, and I'll try to come back with a withdraw flirt. Hey, my love, I was just kind of walking down the stairs, seeing you on that computer. I was just letting you in. Like, I have this kind of quick fantasy that pops into my brain of closing that computer, throwing you on that table, and me and you going to town. (laughs) Well, I love it when you call me love. (laughs) Who knows? You know, I'll get there. Maybe I'll get there. Uh, I'm working on it. Any better? Better. We're getting there. Uh It's still working on it. You're still feeling the pressure of it. Right. Yeah. That 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 idea of just being able to say and again, this is helpful to get clear on like what is it I'm actually looking for? Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for you to say it's okay to have that fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong because it's putting pressure on you. You're not like, a I'm not sexual freak or I'm not a uh, freak. I'm not doing something wrong. I'm not trying to be yeah, the table like, for crying out loud. I mean the table is hardly a freaky fantasy, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. What? <laughs> you keep talking. Sorry. Just had no. to throw that in there. No, again, I, we're, we're inviting all our listeners to, you know, let's not just assume we know. We actually got to practice these conversations. We got to get in the reps. You know, as, as we did a couple scenarios here, I felt myself getting clear on kind of what it is that I, I want. You know, when I come down that stairs and I'm saying to them, I'm not even sure what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. right? But as we kept kind of going over and over, I, I kind of started to become more clear. I really, I just want to hear that it's okay and fun to do that. And you know, we're not going to have sex on the table. I realize that. Not that I'd be against it if you wanted to, right? But just to kind of have you saying, you know, that's kind of cool. 
Thank you for sharing. Like, that's what I'm looking for, as unrealistic as it might be at times, especially given how it lands. But the more that you have that target and you're working it towards them, the more likely we can have connection around these conversations. It's like you want it to go in somehow or another and be received. Yeah. I mean, I, I, wanna, I hate to, I I hate to make the obvious, but right, it's, it's penetration and reception that connects. I don't, for me, it's just wanting to know that that's okay. Like to have you join me in that to be like, that would be fun. If it could be fun for you to fantasy and fun for me, even if we never act on it, I'm still connecting with you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling like I got to keep it to myself because you don't really want it. And now I'm angry at you. Like what I do with that fantasy, either sharing it and have success or keeping it to myself and feeling resentful, it really makes a big difference in kind of which direction we go. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a sexual withdrawer trying to heal this issue between the two of you, meeting your partner, sometimes with tone and some sort of playfulness can help them feel understood, can help them feel contained, can help them feel like their joy and excitement about sex is a good thing that they're bringing to the partnership. So, Okay, on the kitchen table, thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.